We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? <laughs> we're, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thursday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Terrence Oglesby. I have with me Randolph Childress. We are live Sirius XM Channel 84. That is college sports radio. We are watching this UCLA uh, Arizona State game. We are listening to the Gonzaga uh, Loyola Marymount game. We just watched indiana go into champaign and beat up on illinois it was a wild night in the big 10 so i made sure to bring two acc guys with me to help me break it down because that's how we do things <laughs> on the field of 68 after dark if you're listening on serious please jump in the youtube chat later on uh, that's a place where you can interact with us during the commercial breaks uh, and after the show ends we'll be there answering questions interacting with you guys uh talking with you dagan hughes our producer is always in there acting a fool because that's what he does gentlemen how we doing how we doing on this thursday night i'm good, good got a little downtime i get to talk to you guys so that's know, good right? news I I'm happy that I get... in a while man it's been forever. i know randolph and i haven't been on a show you've been sandbagging <laughs> us and i'm happy that you keep putting me on big 10 nights because nobody loves the big 10 like to <laughs> loves the big 10 i think that's established i'm happy to be here though i'm happy to be here RC, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I can't complain. No complaints <laughs> at all. You know who can complain tonight? Oof. Producer Trevor. He's an Illinois fan. Illinois got smoked by Indiana at home tonight. The final score, I don't even know what the final score ended up being. It was that much of a blowout. But Trace Jackson Davis finally ended up looking like the All-American that he is. Uh, it was not a great night for the Illini. T.O., what are your biggest takeaways uh, from, from this result? Uh, first of all, they decided not to double Trace Jackson Davis. That is uh, suboptimal. I'm a little shocked that it lasted as long as it did. Now, Indiana does shoot, did shoot 37% from three coming into the game. I understand that. But my man was cooking any type of way you wanted it. And I know how you have some crazy cooking uh, ways of going about your green egg or what it, whatever it is, putting mayo on your steaks and stuff. But my man was cooking any way you wanted it. He was going baseline, dunk, towards the middle, hook shots. He was eating. 
And it just didn't matter. Illinois decided, hey, I'm just going to let Dane Danger live by himself. And that didn't work out great. And offensively, Illinois, guys, I was expecting a lot more ball movement this year. I really was. I thought you have so many multidimensional guys offensively that that ball could pop. You could attack closeouts. And they just seemed to go one-on-one. And we talked about Matthew Meyer didn't make any impact at all tonight. He's not a one-on-one guy. Ball needs to move for him to be successful. And it has been a rough sled, especially today uh, in Champaign. They're just consistently inconsistent. That's the only way you can put them. And when that ball doesn't move, they struggle. When I saw Coleman Hawkins take that one-legged NBA Kevin Durant (laughs) one-legged jumper, I was like, I started looking for the remote. I was like, this is over. And it wasn't just a 35. It was a pretty 35. Like, he was 15 for 17 at one point. I was like, they got to be coming soon. They got Somebody else got to beat you. And they didn't. And it was, like you said, I started looking for the remote after a while. Like, this this ain't going to end well. And by the way, Rob, it finished up 80. It finished up 80-65. Yeah, I got the box up in front of me now. That's uh, that's how prepared I am as the host on the show, man. Look, I'm tired. I've been all over the country. I've been like seven different states over the last three days. I'm 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 exhausted over here. But Chase Jackson Davis finished with 35 points, nine boards, five assists, three blocks. That is a pretty decent stat line for a guy that is playing through a little bit of pain right now. Um, so I want you imagine if he was playing in '95. Like Trace, Jack- if, if Trace Jackson Davis was playing in '95, like we're talking lottery pick. If like, Trace Jackson he, Davis was playing in '95, he wouldn't be in college basketball. He would be, be Sean. He, he'd be he'd be a he'd better be version of Sean Kemp. <laughs> if he was playing in 1995, he'd already be in the NBA, going head to head with Kobe Coburn. They'd be the two best players in in that league. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. I, I I do think it's funny though. I I was telling some of the other day, RC that. With Coleman Hawkins, like you never just get a a a good game, right? He either looks like the second coming of Magic Johnson, or he looks like a guy that that probably should be playing like at Eastern Illinois instead of regular. Like he he always he's either horrible or he's great. And today we got the uh, we got the not so good Coleman Hawkins tonight. Well, he wasn't alone. So he had plenty of help with him. So I think Shannon turned. Shannon was probably the only guy that can, and he was sporadic at times but at least he scored i mean the rest of all the right line. so let me ask you guys this we'll, we'll, we'll get into indiana in a second where, where does that come from how come the only thing they do consistently is show up and consistent i mean they had just won four straight games right they had just covered four straight games they looked like a team that had finally figured it out i was all in on the illinois back bandwagon rc what happened mm-hmm. I, how did i get this one so wrong when's the last time we see indiana look this good though <laughs> I, I mean, without because I thought they were in trouble without Xavier Johnson. I was like, I wasn't sure. And then to go on the road and get a win, you know, conference play, I, I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I thought they were going to miss him dearly. And push Shafino, man, he looked he he looked really good tonight. And when they get Xavier Johnson back, man, they, they're looking like one of those teams that when they get everybody back healthy, they could they could probably make a run. We'll see. But it. it, it I don't know what about Illinois. They're just hot and cold. They like the, you know, them in Colorado are like the damn North Carolina weather. I walk outside, I got a flip-flop <laughs> on, a Timberland boot, a, a white feet and a jacket. Like it's it's just all over the place. You got you got you got knee-high boots and a, yeah, and shorts yeah. on. Like, yeah, yeah it's or you got Tim's and shorts on. Like that's that's North Carolina and South Carolina weather right now. When's the last time you've seen a team in the Big Ten score 80 points and only take single digit threes? Like they didn't shoot. The, they, they didn't even shoot the three. They, they did to. everything at the paint. Like Illinois didn't guard the paint. 
And they've got the big, they got big enough guys to guard the paint. Trace Jackson Davis with 15 of 19. Throw an extra man, let him pass it, make them do something else. And T.O., he missed his else. last two shots. He was 15 and 17 at one time. <laughs> he missed his last two. Man, unbelievable. Look, Jalen Hood Shafino, like he's had his problems with consistency, but his his good is like as good as anybody in the Big Ten. Like when he's really good, he is exceptional. But it's those other times that he kind of flounders around out there. But I thought he was terrific tonight. But Illinois just doesn't move the ball. And they rely on a lot of one-on-one stuff. They're spaced out. They tried to do some weave stuff. And then Indiana just switched everything. And it ended up in another one-on-one possession. And it was just kind of it, it was kind of weird to watch. There was not a whole lot of rim pressure and not a whole lot of movement whenever somebody finally did get the ball in the last eight seconds of the shot clock. So it was kind of, it was kind of a strange way of going about it. And whenever you run that spread offense with Underwood, like I was expecting, you know, pinch post, maybe somewhere to Coleman Hawkins, some cutting action off of that. That really hasn't been the case. Terrence Shannon pretty much took off and tried to do his own thing. I will say this, there were bright spots. So I thought Sincere Harris guarded his butt off. Like they had a couple of guys that really played. RJ Melendez was pretty good. Like they did some things. It's just, you have to be able to guard an all-American guy and you have to realize like, Hey, you know, Dane Danger, what I the guy calling the game, what, what's his name again? Steven uh, Bardo. Steven Bardo goes, he's he's uh willing, I'm not sure he's able. And that was such a freaking good line. He goes, Dane Danger's willing, I'm not sure he's able. And he couldn't guard him, and nobody could guard him one on one. So send another guy at him, see what happens. My biggest takeaway with Indiana, um, one, Jalen Hutchafina was now scored in double figures in nine straight games. Right. And and it looks like he's kind of embraced the role that we expected Xavier Johnson to play. Now it'll be better if you have two guys that can do that in the backcourt um, with a big man like uh, uh, like Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis in there. I think the biggest thing, though, is on the defensive end of the floor. Right. Heading into this game, they had given up just 45 points against Wisconsin in the game that they won. Prior to that, the three game losing streak, they gave up more than 85 in three straight games. Every one of those games, they couldn't stop anybody. And now in the last two games, they're averaging 55 allowed. That, to me, that's what changed. Illinois started getting some, uh, I'm sorry, Indiana started getting some stops. And if you're going to be able to get some stops and you got an All-American like Trace Jackson Davis going nuts, like you are going to be a good basketball team. It doesn't matter what else you got. If you have an All-American going nuts and you're getting stops, you're going to be able to beat a lot of teams. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's why I thought they were going to miss Xavier. I thought he's a really, when he wants to dial in and be an on-ball defender, he can be hell of an on-ball defender. And I just think we're just seeing Huchifino grow up in front of us. I mean, you know, you start getting to a February, you know, you tell your freshmen, they're not freshmen anymore. They've been around right. long enough. They've been in here. They've been through the summers. It's like, look, you've, you've seen it all now. Let's go take a step. And you can, you start addressing them like they're like, they've been there a year, calling them sophomores. We started calling them around this time sophomores because it's like freshman year. It's over. Like let, let's turn the clock. And he, he, he's, he just looks comfortable. And I think now without having Xavier there, Johnson there, the ball's in his hands. He gets to make mistakes now. I don't have to worry about that. He's played through that. He looks confident. He looked like he was ready to command the team tonight. He was he was impressive. Yeah, it's there's something to be said about being able to get reps where you can kind of mess up without having to be worried about, yeah. you know, getting yanked out of the game. Listen, this is the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Dosser. I have Terrence Oglesby. I have Randolph Childress. We'd like to welcome in everybody that was listening to Loyola Marymount take down Gonzaga. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit. We're in the middle of a thrilling 
Big Ten conversation with my two ACC guys here. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit. I want to ask you guys about Michigan because they had one four out of five. Uh, Hunter Dickinson looked like he was starting to figure some things out. They were a game out of first place in the Big Ten, and they went on the road to a Maryland team that has not been great with a center. They're All-American. Hunter Dickinson is on the record saying he does not like Maryland because Mark Turgeon did not recruit him to go there. He is a local kid, uh, and they come out. They dug themselves a double-digit hole. They got back. I think it was tied at one point in the second half, but it never felt like Maryland was going to blow that game and blow that lead. Jameer Young was the star, finished with 26 points, and Maryland landed their third win in the Big Ten, 64-58. to T.O., what's your takeaways here? My takeaway was this was a huge win for Maryland, who is firmly on the bubble at this point in the year. You're 18 games deep. Uh, you get a win. You, you, you've now won two out of your last three against Ohio State and Michigan. You're lost to Iowa. That's fine. You have a huge test at Purdue. Keep it close. Uh but after that, like you, you need to generate some momentum. And I think Kevin Willard uh, did that. They've had some really ugly losses. But I considered this game right here against a middling Michigan team, and that's what they are this year because they're so young around the perimeter, a middling Michigan team that they knew coming into the game, this is about as big a must win in the middle of January as you're going to have in Big Ten play because you got to stay up towards the middle because Big Ten is going to get a lot of teams in. We all know that. Uh, they need to be in that conversation. Big win for them. Big win for Kevin Willard. Jameer Young was obviously terrific. I was shocked with the offensive rebound by Maryland tonight. They had 15 offensive rebounds. I thought that's something that Michigan would have to do a better job. I, I was shocked with Hunter's size. And considering you don't really pull him outside the paint when he's defending anyway. I mean, he just kind of sits back. He tries to guard on the perimeter, but that's not a strength. I was shocked the ability to, to offensive rebound against, the, against uh, Michigan. But, I mean, he didn't – I thought Jed Howard settled too much for them. I thought Michigan had a chance when they made their run. I mean, he 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 was, I think he was three or 14 or whatever, but 11 with threes. He wasn't knocking down that shot. I thought he had, he had a chance to play off that, get in the paint, get to the free throw line a little more than he did. I thought he settled a little bit and I thought it hurt them. They, they got to get other guys. With, with, with Dougie's there, he's not a shooter. Dougie's a blur. He can get guys the ball, but his shooting is not his, not his forte. Terrence Williams is, you know, hit or miss. You know, for those guys to make a tournament or, or make a continue to make a run in the Big Ten, they had a pretty good start. I, I think it's got to be Hunter Diggins and it's obviously got to be Howard. All right, let me ask you guys this. There are currently, as it stands, 10 teams in the Big Ten, which is a 14-team league, uh, that have either three or four losses. conference losses, which means that the team that is currently sitting in 11th place is one game out of second place in conference standings, <laughs> which is insane when you think about it. We just mentioned four of them, Maryland, yeah. Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana. If you have to buy one of them that you're all in on through, for the rest of the season, right? You got to take, uh, you know, you're, empty your entire bank account right now on one of those teams to be the best out of this group and finish at the top of the Big Ten standings out of those four. Who are you riding with, RC? Which four are we talking about again? Are we talking about the entire, uh, you know. Indiana. Illinois, Michigan, Maryland. I'm going with Indiana because I think they got guys coming back healthy. I think that's pretty – and I'm not just going off tonight's performance. It, I, at some point when these guys, Xavier Johnson comes back, they're going to get better. I, I don't know if I can say that. What's going to happen with Illinois? I mean, who, who's – you know, Maryland, what's going to change? <clears throat> they're so dependent upon, to me, Jameer Young playing well. He has to score for those guys. If he struggles, I don't know how they're going to win. And I just think it's Indiana. I don't think it's even close, to be quite honest. Wow. 
Give me Rutgers. No, I would, that's but not, that wasn't in the group. Part of the conversation. No, no, no. This is what we're saying. We had two through thirteen. This is what we were saying. That's what I you was. You got asking. Purdue. You got two through thirteen. You got Minnesota right down there at the bottom. You said, "Who in the middle you want to pick?" I'm going Scarlet Knights, baby. You can't convince not- me otherwise. That's where I'm going. Steve Peichel is a god in New Jersey. How dare you try to go against this? Steve Peichel <laughs> knows what he's doing. That would have been. And my I love that well. team. I would have been completely rogue right there. Go Rutgers. Give me the Scarlet Knights. Piscataway, a vacation destination. I like. I, I'm glad everybody can now see what I have to deal with on a daily basis with To. <laughs> yeah. un, un, Give me Rutgers. Listen, you mentioned Rutgers. They went on the road. They lost at Michigan State. Um, we got to talk about Sparty. We got to talk about Rutgers. We're going to do that in just a minute. Coming up here next. You like yeah, that? Gonzaga, yeah, that was, that's 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 <laughs> typical of what I have to deal with with this guy. Chat, you got any questions for us? We got about ninety seconds here. We can uh, we can hang out with you if you want to ask Tio a question. He won't answer it. I'll dodge it. I'll willfully dodge it <laughs> and try my best to make it entertaining in the process. By the way, look at the new Her- "Who's Your Daddy" merch. All right, mm-hmm. look at that "Who's Your Daddy" merch, chat. I like that one. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, chill. Have you gotten any? Have you gotten any merch in the in the mail here lately? Any merch headed your way? How many, many Big Ten teams will lose in the first no, round? I'd seen it. I'd seen it yet. It's Mine must got lost in the mail. It's coming. Hey, well, Trevor, Trevor, get in here. You got you got to take control of the show. I'm man. trying, what man. What do we got for our questions? <laughs> uh, B Wayne asks, how many Big Ten teams will lose in the first round again this year? Hey, wait, don't answer that. I got that as a teaser later. I got I got a I got a question on that later. We'll oh, save that I get, one. B Wayne, B Wayne, we're saving that one. What I really want to, I really want to answer right now. I do too. <laughs> say zero. Say zero. Thirty seconds. Say zero, Tio. Say zero. I can't do. I'm, I'm, do you think I'm, ten teams are going to? Va- do you think they're going to freaking move to the second round? Do you you don't think a single Big Ten team is going to the second round? Purdue. That's it. That's bold. the only one you got. That's a bold take right there, Tio. No, no, no. That's not true. And I, I got to think about that one. I got to look. I got to look at it again. Way to get to all the all the uh, questions. Yeah, riveting, go, riv- riveting stuff. Four, three, two. The field of sixty-eight after dark. We're live. Sirius XM channel eighty-four. Rob Dosser here. Terrence Oglesby, Randolph Childress. We are breaking down the Big Ten right now. If you're listening to us live on Sirius, make sure you go jump in the YouTube chat. You can find us on our YouTube stream or the podcast feed or the Sirius XM app every single morning, gentlemen. We teased it a little bit. Michigan State. We thought they were the second best team. In the Big Ten, we thought they were going to be the team to contend with Purdue at the top of the league. They went on the road. They lost at Illinois. Uh, They lost to Purdue at home uh, on the game-winning layup by Shaq Eady. No, 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 the Shaq Eady. But tonight, they bounced back. They got a nice 13-point win at home, which, by the way, the over hit. We had a buzzer-beating three that was initially called a two. The total was 126.5. When it was ruled a three, the total went from 126 to 127. Some of us happened to have the over in that spot, so that was a good thing for (laughs) my Bet Rivers uh, betting account. Um, But I want to ask you guys this. With, With Malik Hall down, right, we already were a little bit worried about this team. We, you know, they didn't necessarily have all that front court depth. Malik Hall is this kind of versatile 
four, five, space the floor, kind of mix it up kind of a guy. RC, can, can Michigan State be as good as they had looked in the last month if Malik Hall does not come back healthy and if he's out for an extended period of time? Well, we don't know how long he is, but if you can get Atkinson and, and Hogarth and Walker playing, Walker's been playing out of his mind lately. Oh, uh, he was so I mean, good against Purdue. Oh, my gosh. He, he Even the first half of this game, he had gotten them going the first half of tonight's game. I thought to kind of get him back in the game and separate it, you know, early in the first half. So they shot the ball well. I mean, the one thing that we can knock about both teams, we can question about Rutgers, and I'm a big, like T.O., I'm a big fan of Rutgers. I've been on record with that. They're not great three-pointing shoot, shooting teams. And tonight, you hit, what, they hit seven, I think, in the first half and finished up with 12 in the game. They 12 for 22. And, it, you know, for them, that's big. I mean, all the guys made shot Atkins. All three of those guards and Hauser made three threes each. And 12 threes for the Spartans, you know, they're going to defend their ass off. They're going to compete on both ends of the floor. They got enough inside. I mean, the big fella, where, where the hell did Jackson Caller come from? You know, playing as well as he did, giving him 12 off the bench. But... Listen, you can never count them out. They're the most battle-tested team in the Big Ten. We know what you're getting out of them. You know they got down early, and Tom Hizzo called timeout. You can see them chewing their ass out, and they just responded. And now that they battled back, took the lead, and never really gave it back. I feel like I know exactly what Jackson Kohler looked like when he was in eighth grade. Like, he looks no different now than he did in eighth grade. He was just six inches shorter. Like, but, but anyway, I, I want to say got one the thing. same one, haircut and everything, right? So he looked the exactly barber. the same, has nothing on his face. Like the exact same kid, you know, little annoying, has that little extra shimmy right there. talks a little trash, but he ends up with 12 and 11. You're just like, ah, oh, hell, this kid's actually pretty good. Uh, he was good today. <laughs> that, that was, that was a big plus because they haven't really had a rim presence. Uh, Mati Sissoko, like he's, he is what he is. He's a big physical dude that every now and then will have a good offensive, you know, 10, 12 point you know, dunk and finish around the rim, uh, you know, points and score that way. But for the most part, he's a big, rugged, physical dude who's going to help out defensively, and he's just going to do simple stuff around a basket. Kohler mixes it up a little bit, and that throws a little bit of a curveball for somebody that you haven't really scouted coming into the season. But really, when it comes to Michigan State, guys, what I really think more than anything, I think a good Joey Hauser changes the trajectory. It, it comes down to him because you know what you're getting out of your guards and Hogard and Walker, like the, their efforts going to be there consistently. Hauser, when he's good, Michigan state is top 25. Good. When he's not good, they struggle. You look at their last two losses against Illinois and Purdue 10 points and 11 points. You look at their win at Wisconsin uh, six for eight from the floor, two or three from three, 20 points. They beat Michigan. Of course, that was a bit of an ugly game all the way around. That being said, he wasn't great, but he was still on the floor and he spaced things out. Nebraska, Played well again, 10 points. Buffalo, 14. When they win, he's good. That's the biggest difference. He's the X factor. They need people to space the floor for Hogarth and Walker. And Joey Hauser can be that guy. Good Joey Hauser changes that team. You know what you said there that I think was the most important thing about Michigan State is that with Hogarth and Walker, you know what you're getting. Last yeah. year with those two, you did not know what you're getting. And now – and look – I would even go so far as to say you don't necessarily know what you're getting because Tyson Walker against Purdue looked like the best point guard in the country, right? Like he yeah. absolutely lit him up down the stretch. And when you're going to get a dude that can do that, where his bad games are 12 points, 4-10 from the floor, hits three threes, no turnovers, four steals, right? Like Tyson Walker didn't play great today. Today was an A.J. Gohard game, right? But and you know I what he? It, but what thing like he did that. though, Rob? When, 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 when he came there, though, he had a scores mentality there. I thought Tyson Walker struggled last year trying to be this pass first guy. 
Now he's yes. coming off screens. They're Good popping. Point. He's playing like, man, he's more in his comfort zone now than he was a year ago. I think they've given more of the point guard duties to A.J., Hogarth, like, hey, you be more of a distributor. And then now they're moving Walker a little bit off the ball. They still play with those dominant guard play. But when he's off the ball, he's going back to himself, I think, where he's much more comfortable being a scorer. Yeah. You know what else it is? Um, he has had a year of seasoning, getting figuring out how to play under uh, Tom Izzo, right? When you're, when you're at Northeastern and you're playing for Bill Cohen, and then you go and you play for Tom Izzo, like, don't – those are two completely different practices and completely different uh, relationships that you have with the coach and completely different um, ways, like completely different cultures. It's just like a, a, a culture shock when you walk in there. And now Tyson Walker has had a year to kind of acclimate to it and figure out like, okay, when he says this to me and yells at me like this, this mean like this, this means that he likes me. Right. This and you see a little bit with AJ go hard. Like he'll go right back. He'll go hard back at uh back at Tom Izzo. You know, it, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I think it's just a, I think Izzo figured out what his guards were too. Yes. Like that that's a big point too. Last year he was fiddling around trying to figure out what Walker could do, trying to find a way to use Hogard whenever he's more of an a rim attack guy, try to figure out how I can play them together. Now he's figured that part out. So to go along with what you're saying, it's an adjustment for Tyson Walker, sure. But Izzo's now figured out, hey, Tyson Walker's a bucket. Like, that's what uh-huh. he is first and foremost. And Hogarth, what is he? He's more of a shot creator. Uh, big body, hold people off, find guys out in the corner. Like, that's more of what he is. So that it goes both ways. Coaches figured them out, and they figured out how to play for Izzo as well. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Uh, RC, you called Rutgers the Virginia of the Big Ten. They went on the road. They lost. It was not the prettiest loss to a, a Michigan State team that's shorthanded. Are you worried about them at all, or is this just no. life in the Big Ten? I, I mean, you can't expect them. I, Purdue just looks like they're on a level, another level for everybody else. Again, you're not going to out-physical Michigan State. It was a physical game. They couldn't make shots. They were two from 17 from three. I mean, that was just the biggest difference. They shot less than their average, and Michigan shot more. I mean, the biggest difference in the game was a three-point shooting. They only lost by 13. I'm not discouraged. I mean, if I had to pick a team like we talked about before, the group outside of Purdue, I'm still sticking with Rutgers. I think Rutgers is the better team. I like like the makeup of the team. McKay, I I love him. A 6'7 point guard just gets to spots, unselfish. I actually wish he would – you know, I, I wish he would be a little bit more aggressive in trying to score. I think he gets in the paint so deep and just gives it up a little too early. I wish he would be a little bit more aggressive, but I, I like the makeup of their team. I, I don't think that changed. And I think they're a team that's equipped come turn. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I don't even want to have that conversation yeah. yet. Yeah. You know what they are? They remind me. I, I said this on the DTF podcast to you. They remind me a little bit of Providence where um, maybe they're not the flashiest team. And if you look at them on paper, they're not going to line up. Uh, great with the teams that they play and maybe they don't have the best metrics or anything like that, but they just know how to win. They got a coach that finds a way to get it done. Uh, You mentioned the backcourt Walker, Hogard, Aikens combined today, 39 points, 11 assists, nine steals and nine for 16 from three. Another team that has a, has had a backcourt that's kind of improved over the course of the season is Purdue. Braden Smith tonight, 19 points, seven boards, seven assists, just two turnovers. Fletcher Lawyer didn't shoot it well, but he had six points, three assists, zero turnovers. And Purdue was able to more or less embarrass Minnesota. They won 61 to 39 on the road. They only gave up 12 points in the first half, and they had 36 points in the paint. Minnesota scored 39 points on the night. Terrence, 
If you if Purdue's going to win games like this by 22 points when Shaq Eady has 12 and 6, like what? <laughs> what are we going to do with this team, man? I don't, play somebody else besides Minnesota. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be mean to Minnesota, but they have no answers uh, for that. And there's a there's a clear discrepancy between Minnesota and the rest of that league right now. And you know, I like their coaching staff. I feel like they've got some pieces that just they're just not there. They're just not there. But uh, having so many different guys and having these freshmen play well so quickly that that's the most uh, impressive thing about this team and what Painter's been able to do. That that part's obvious. But uh, I wonder who's that rim pressure guy outside of Zach Eady, or do you even need one? Because I've always been of the belief that you have to have a guard that can get to the cup, that can create something on your own. I don't think this team necessarily has that. But when you have the immovable object in Shaq Eady, like it, it, it's, it changes things. So this goes against my conventional wisdom because I've always felt you needed at least one guy who can create something. But yeah, this Purdue let, doesn't let me have ask it, you guys and this yet here quick. they are. They've only lost one. Let me, let me ask you guys this real quick, because you uh, I, there's always one of these cliches, right? By the end of the season, freshmen are sophomores. Is that Does that play into your thought process with this team at all? You know, the, the Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith have basically started every game. They play 30 minutes every night. Like, they're, they, they have some experience and some battles now at this point. I mean, they just won on the road, making big plays down the stretch at Michigan State in the Breslin Center, one of the toughest places, not just in the Big Ten, but in America to play. So, R.C., is that... Like, does that make you feel a little bit more comfortable about having a backcourt that's two freshmen? I'll, I'll say this about in general, the statement is because by then, you know what you're good at and what you can do. You're, you're being coached on now. This is your strength. We're going to play more to your strengths when you get to that point. And you kind of figure that out. You figure out what they're struggling with. And you try to hide it. Coaching helps those guys with that in general. But with these freshmen, the difference is like with Zach Eady, how do you want to guard him? Right. I mean, how do you guard them? So. You don't have to play one-on-one. -on -one. They're going to run their set. So they come off a ball screen. What are you going to do? Because when he rolls, I don't care if you have the 6'9 bouncy guy. He's not getting up there to challenge it. So they're just turning <laughs> the corner and getting down the lane. And it's like, oh, they're just throwing lobs. Even if your guys didn't drop, drop coverage, like how many guys is going to go up to their apex and, and tip away a pass thrown to him? And so, and if you rotate off, the guards just got to get it on the glass. Like what weak side defender is coming over there and boxing him out? You know, so I want to put, put this into context. Up. I want to put this into context for people that are listening, right? A 6'9 shot blocker trying to go up and try block Zach Eady's shot is the same thing as a 6'2 shot blocker trying to go up and block that 6'9 dude's shot. That that's the way that you have to fit seven inches. It's ridiculous. Six nine guys, and that's not even including his wingspan. Like like today, all oh. it is is an and one. When you jump, it's just an and one. It's a foul or an and one. And then if you rotate over there, like better teams and get in front of them and stop the guard, what guard? Tio, I, I know I wasn't boxing his ass out. I don't know <laughs> what guard is cracking down and keeping him off the glass or forward. I'm not. I'm just not. This is not what I'm here for. Like you guys know what I'm here for. This is not what I'm here for. That's a pretty plain and, and simple decision for me. Uh, the thing about this Purdue team, guys, you, you know, last season they did have Jade Nivey. But what was Jay Nivey's biggest weakness to, in your all's opinion? Yeah. The His, like the half court stuff, right? Yeah. Consistent focus defensively Ooh. away from the ball. These freshmen still want to be on the floor so bad they're not screwing up. And Purdue is top 20 in the country defensively. Like, keep that in mind. And you felt like, like last year when we ended the year, 
Defensively, Purdue was 93rd in the country, according to Kim Palm. This season, these dudes are guarding, and they're not spectacular athletes on this team, but they're excellent position-wise. They stay in front, and there's not a whole lot of rotations missed. And if they do happen to be late on something like a pick and roll or coming off a stagger screen, you have to still have to run into Zach Eady. This team defense, that's what makes them different from last season defensively. That's what puts their ceiling much higher. But yeah. they, right. they don't want- they don't play with both of those bigs, and he is moving a lot, but he's just staying in front of the ball. So if you draw the paint and shoot it too, you're just shooting over that length. Somebody could beat them, but you're going to have to shoot the lights out because he's not coming out there behind the screen. They're just chasing guys off. You're going to have to be strategic and just saying, hey, you guys got to come off and hit mid-range shots. Or Over 7-5. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he's yep. just sitting back. There's nothing, you're not getting anything in the paint. They're making people one dimensional. So if you don't, if you don't shoot the ball well against those guys, you, you have no shot. They're chasing them off. Like you said, the guards are doing that, but they don't have those dual bid. They're not trying to play Williams and him together. They're, they're playing, you know, just, just with him at that size. And, and, and they're just tough. They're, like you said, they're top, they're the top defensive team, but they're just so good and so efficient on the offensive end. They didn't play great today, but they hit him in the mouth early and this was over. I mean, 31 to 12 at the half. Like it wasn't even close. Oh, All right. Last thing, last one I got for you guys. Okay. This is this is why I didn't want to ask that question about the, the tournament with Big Ten teams right. in the last chat. All right. Would you rather have for the last team left in the tournament from the Big Ten? Right. The, for for rounds, not like depending on what day you play, but the last last team, the team that makes it the deepest from the Big Ten, Purdue or everybody else. Okay, so rephrase that. Who do you want? Who do I? Who would I want to pick? So taking Purdue or the field. Represent the Purdue. Purdue or the field. Purdue or the field to make, to go deepest in the tournament. Last Big Ten team remaining. I went Purdue last year and they just burned me. But the fact that they're <laughs> defending this year, the fact that they're defending this year, Prome was like, "No, I'm taking the field." To you're crazy, and he he was right. I was crazy. Still, still, I'm crazy. But, but point taken. I, I just feel like this team defensively uh is going did you to answer the question yeah purdue just, i said purdue purdue okay yeah i'm going to do i'm ride or die <laughs> matt painter what's up I'm, I'm taking a field on that i i i i still like Rutgers making some make, getting past the first round or whatever so i'm gonna take the field yeah i think i'm gonna take the field too uh, I, I love purdue but you just there's gonna be nine teams in the tournament if you're gonna say i get eight teams that have a chance to make a run in purdue it could be one bad matchup away. Like I just, you have to take the field there. But Purdue's but who's also. the bad matchup for Purdue? Who knows? I don't know. Did you That's think kind of my only, question, the, only like, the only the only thing I can think is a bad only, matchup for them. The only thing they can do is got to be a a a, a five man with enough size. Now he's gonna get destroyed, but he has to be a three point shooting five man. That's gonna force them to say, hey, he's got to come out and guard on the perimeter, which he doesn't do. So if they got five guys, and so, if somebody plays five out with five shooters, they draw that team, and that team has a UNBC type of night, then you know it, anything can happen. But it, hey, it Cam require... Crutt will get walking through those doors. Baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I mean they need just a five man. I mean, that's what I'm saying. All these, yeah. you know, when you get when you get hey. one of these lower seeds in, they they might have a five man. The five man has hey, to be listen, able to space listen. them and shoot threes. Listen, if you ask Goodman, Charleston has seven guys on the roster that are going to end up playing in the NBA. So you don't want to see Charleston if you are Purdue at hey, this point. Hey, now coming up, it, call it all coming up, hey, 
<laughs> no, no, don't you dare take it to break right now, right when I'm about to make a point. Charleston, hey, Charleston might be a team who could do it. Berzovic could shoot it now. Now oh you can God. take it to break. I should not. Sorry. Now, now you're now you're all in Charleston. <laughs> uh, now we de- now we definitely have to go to break. Listen, coming up, <laughs> I figured it out. I studied the tape. I did the research. I talked to people. I'm going to tell you exactly why UConn has Uh-oh. lost five of the last six. Uh oh. You're clear. Minute and a half. <laughs> Sorry about that. Help Kono, you see what I'm dealing with, with T.O. over here? I got Kono's wearing me. I was like, you got to break. You got to break. You got to break. You break. Get to break. I try to go to break. T.O. says, nah, we're talking about Charles. All right, listen up. Chat <laughs> question. Chat question okay, time. Let's go, let's go, Trevor. Some guy in the chat named Dagan says, if the field of 68 as a network had to roll out five guys against Purdue, could we score more than 12 points and a half? Hell yeah. yes. Hey, okay, yes. hold on. Come on, man. Hold on. So who this is a dumb question. Now I'm going to need your starting five, though. Okay, so RC at the one. Um, me at First the two. First of all, it's T.O. and I. It's T.O. and I. RC, T.O., Gino, RC, T.O., Gio. Oh, RC, T.O., Gio, Henson, and Tyler Hansbro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does Hummel count? We got Hummel coming. Yeah, get up. We got Hummel coming. We got Hummel coming. Hummel got his knees. Hummel got his knees. Hey, he just lost his eligibility last year. You're talking about the 2019 USA Basketball Player of the Year, Robbie Hummel. You think I'm kidding? Look it up. USA Basketball Player of the Year. That team wins. We win. Field of 16. Yeah, we get that. We score more than 12 and a half. Where does Fanta go on our roster? Like, see a backup five? He's he's the GA that sprints out there at every time out and sets up a stool for the coach. He's giving us the towels and the scoreboard. (laughs) He's hustling to wipe up sweat like that kid in high school. Do you see that kid? I'm the guy guy at the end of the bench doing the three guitars every time T.O. makes a shot. That's my role. Four. I like that. Three, two, here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. Field of 68, After Dark, Rob Doster, Terrence Oglesby, Randolph Childress. We're live. Sirius XM channel 84 make sure you head over to the youtube chat jump in there ask us questions we answer them during the break we just gave you the field of 68 all-star team and i'm telling you if we rolled out there right now and you guys still had eligibility left we would be winning a national title this year the only question i have is who's going to end up coaching that team it's not goodman 
think it might end up having to be me. But I have no control over the show, so there's no way I'd have no any control over this team. So there would be absolutely no coaching at all whatsoever. Listen, uh, we got to talk about the stuff going on on the West Coast. We have Arizona. Looks like they're figuring some things out. There's a tweak in that starting lineup. I, saw that. I want to start with Gonzaga, though. Gonzaga had their 76-game home winning streak snapped tonight. The last mm-hmm. time that they lost at home came back in 2018, January 18th. They played at home against St. Mary's. They lost 74 to 71. The best player on that team that year, either you guys know? Nope. Do you have the answer? Anybody? The chat probably knows at this point. Jock Landale, he went for 26 points against the team that had Josh Perkins on it against the team that had Silas Melson on it. Uh, against a team that had Rui Achimura on it. That was a good Gonzaga team. It was a better St. Mary's team that night. Gonzaga loses tonight 68-67 to at home against Loyola Marymount. I'm just going to say it, guys. This Gonzaga team is the team that everybody outside of the college basketball experts like us, this is what everybody actually thinks Gonzaga is because they're just, they're not that good. They're they're a little bit overrated. They don't have the killers in the backcourt. They don't have the pros they usually do. They're a good team, like a top 20, top 25 team, but they ain't the Gonzaga team that we've seen recently. This is what everybody normally thinks they are, right, T.O.? Yeah, they're just not there, but I, I think it all comes down to my man, uh, Keely, best hair, in the, best hair in the game. Keely Lou Pepe just went bananas. So, like, we need to give my man credit. Uh, he's, he's a good player. What was that name? Uh, Lou Pepe, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm just going to wing it because, man, that dude is awesome. I'm not sure what he had tonight, but I bet it was great. He ends up with, what, 11-7? That's important. But uh, I just wanted to swing at that name. But more than anything else, it's a team without (laughs) as much guard play. That's the biggest thing uh, this year. I mean, you go from Andrew Nimhard to Nolan Hickman, who's really more of a two. They're trying to figure some things out there. It's just – Whenever we saw them at the Moody Center earlier this year, there's some uh, there's some discrepancy between the talent level in the ones and the twos compared to recent seasons. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And LMU, I mean, you know, they, they came in, they play hard, and they've got some guys that can really, you know, fight and beat up Drew Timmy a little bit. Timmy was still Drew Timmy. He ended up with 17 and seven, but it wasn't overly efficient. He needs to be really efficient for that team to win. That's the second big time win they got. They beat Wake early in the year. You know, LMU beat Wake earlier. So, I mean, they're not a fluke. They they did it differently. I mean, they they shot the hell out of it, you know, threes when they when they beat Wake. So tonight they only went seven and nineteen. So it wasn't a great shooting night. Uh, but I mean, we're, we're, no one's shocked. I mean, I, I if there was a year that they would lose a game, it would be this year. I thought Malachi Smith would still be would give them more. I thought he'd be a bigger player for them, have more you know, solve that kind of point guard play for him. It just hadn't been, he's coming off the bench. He's played a lot more earlier. And, and then Efton Reed, I I don't, I don't know. I thought he would get more playing time. I, he barely plays. Um, How can you fit? You can't fit him in though. No, One, you but, can't but fit you know, him no, I get it. He, he's behind Drew Timmy and I get it. Uh, I understand it. That's, I was, I was taken back by, you know, even when he went there, I was just kind of, all right, maybe he's going to just sit in the wing and learn from Timmy and, and go, but they're not playing even, I, I said this before through their guard play. If they don't play through Timmy more, it, I, I don't think they can win. They, they they can be a team no matter, they'll finish up with a high seed. And if they do, if they don't play through Timmy and he plays well, they're just in trouble. Yeah. My, my issue is it's just would... so hard to play through them when, when your guards are, are not good enough to create the space that Timmy needs, right? Like he need he needs a little bit of room and 
when you have Nolan Hickman, who's not really hitting shots and is not as good as we thought he was going to be, and Julian Strother, who like has his moments, but hasn't really developed into that potential pro level, and Hunter Salas, who like I forgot that he was still on that roster, to be honest, because he doesn't really play minutes. So when you have all these guys that we thought were going to be good, like that's why we hyped him up, right, T.O.? We thought Nolan Hickman was going to have a chance to be like an All-American breakout star this year we thought hunter salas was going to be in that conversation we thought julian strother was going to have a chance to be a first round pick we thought roger bolton was going to come in and be like their fourth best guard and at times he's been their best guard and that's not that's not the recipe for success when you have a guy that's kind of like a landlocked big in the middle i was a little hesitant when it came to malachi smith going there uh, because that's a team you that were. really likes to push the ball up the side of the floor, find some early offense, some deep post touches within the first six or seven seconds of the clock. Uh, he's somebody who needs to dribble the air out of the ball. Uh, Randolph, me and you, we did so kind of tournament. I did the first two days. You got the last two days. Like, we were able to see him uh, play, and he's at his best whenever he's dribbling the air out of it. He's surveying. He can create something. And, you know, he gets nine or ten dribbles. He can find somewhere to, to score. It just hasn't translated well. And I don't think it has – much to do with level because I think he is a good enough player to be a good player at, in that league. I, I certainly believe that. I think the fit stylistically was bad and they have a couple of guys that are like that, but Hunter Salas wasn't bad tonight. It's just finding that right combination of guys and guys that we're talking about an embarrassment of riches for Gonzaga. It's still a team that can make the second weekend. You know, they lost at home tonight, but it's still a team because of Drew Timmy, because of some of these guys, Julian Strother, like Julian Strother had a bad game. He was one of eight for wait tonight, one of five from the free throw, or one of five, five from three, only hit half his free throws. Like this wasn't a typical game for them. It's a Gonzaga team that can still make the second weekend, but we're complaining about them because they've had so much success recently. I think that's the big thing. I was surprised with Malachi, though. I, I, he was really efficient, though. And not that he wasn't tonight. You know, and I agree mm-hmm. he needs the ball to be effective, but I just I thought he would kind of solve their their point guard play, at least solidify that where we wouldn't be questioning that position for him. And all they need to me is two guys to shoot it well offensively with Timmy. And I think they got a chance to beat people. But finding that collectively, like they don't, you know, they don't they shot 14 threes tonight. You would think with a guy like that playing in that league, that they would be getting up 20 to 25 threes every game easily because the attention that he's gonna draw. And you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, hey, I, all yeah. of that being said, all that being said, Malachi Smith shooting north of fifty percent from three. So it's yeah, he doesn't take a lot being featured enough. He doesn't take enough. No, he doesn't take enough of them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, you you want to talk about teams that that are shooting enough threes? Uh, Arizona tonight beat USC at home. They shot twelve for twenty four from three. They won the game eighty one. To 66 uh they had they were not on a losing streak but they had lost two of their last three and their last five games uh, in the pac 12 they had not really played all that well they were blown out at oregon and they were blown out at home by washington state uh there was a tweak in the starting lineup um, tommy lloyd started cedric henderson over pella larson uh, pella larson played more minutes but he came off the bench uh, tommy said that he wanted to give a little bit of a jolt to his bench rc are you are you, where do you stand on this Arizona team big picture? Are you worried about them? Do you think that they have a chance to still get to the final four? They're going to have a real test on Saturday when they play UCLA one o'clock tip on Saturday afternoon. Now, I think they'll win a pack 12. I don't know if I'm ready to say they're a final 14. Uh, it, it, I'll tell you what, going to that bench, Cena seemed to wake Larson ass up a little bit tonight. He came out and, and, and got going. So, 
15. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If, he, if that man, means they're begging to him to be more aggressive, though. Oh no, no, they they are, but but they're begging yeah, him. I mean, if that's what it takes, then then they may leave him in that role. I don't think they're as good defensively as they've been in years past, and it's hard not to be. I mean, their their perimeter play last year was was as good as anybody in the country, and offensively they were as good as anybody in the country. I think they'll be fine. Um, they got some guys. I mean, I, I worry about their bench production wise from a tournament standpoint, but. You know, I worry about them at length and athleticism defending on the perimeter, but they're they're a talented team. I don't I don't I don't I don't see fi- I won't say Final Four, but they're talented enough. They got to be more efficient offensively. And they just don't have the guys. I mean, they lost a lot. I mean, I don't outside of, I mean, I'm trying to think who has lost more of those guys. They lost like two first round draft picks and a second round draft three. pick last year. I mean, that's a lot. One to three, yeah. Yeah, Christian I mean, Coloco, you know, Dale and Terry, and, and- yeah. Ben Matherin. And when you sub out all those guys and you bring in a big fella in Umar Ball who ain't going to guard the way the Coloco guard. No. And you have Courtney Rainey. Rainey, no. Good college player, but Ben Matherin is Ben Matherin. Look what he's doing, right? He's and different. now you have either yeah, Pelly Larson or, or, or Cedric Henderson instead of Dylan Terry, who, you know, was the perfect kind of like third option on that perimeter in terms of the things that he could do in the way he could, like it just. And it's like the same thing we're talking about with Gonzaga. Like, they don't have those dudes. It's the same thing. I mean, they're mm-hmm. good. They're good. Arizona's going to be good, but they're not – they don't They don't have that this year. And it's similar to what we're talking about with the guard play of, of Arizona – I mean, of uh, yep. Gonzaga. You know what the funny the, thing T.O., is? T.O., the best teams in college basketball have all these good players, and they sprinkle in the studs. They sprinkle in the dudes where you say, yeah, they're just different. I concur. I concur with that statement right there. Uh, Azulis Tabellis is a dude. Uh, I think he qualifies as being a dude. But I I think, you know, that move to put Pele Larson off the bench, it woke him up to go along with what, um, to go along with what my man RC said. I mean, he ends up with 15 points. But, guys, he's capable of that. That's kind of the crazy thing about it. And he just, he's okay with drifting and being the fifth option and passing it off. I talked to a, a Swedish sports reporter the other day about Pele Larson, and he goes, are we allowed to swear on this? I forget if we're allowed to swear on this. Yeah. I'm I'm quoting it's, him. It's I'm quoting him. He goes, he goes, he goes uh, in his Swedish accent. He goes, the son of a bitch is too Swedish. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, he, he passes it. He's willing to, you know, play for everybody else. He's willing to be, he's such a nice kid. He defends his butt off. He does everything he thinks that the team needs for him to do. The problem is, is he needs to recognize that Arizona needs him to be more offensively, to be more yep. aggressive. He's a guys. He's a big time athlete. Like he has the ability to create for himself. He has the ability to get into the lane and pass out. He has all these skills. It's just his assertiveness level isn't where it needs to be. Maybe coming off the bench changed that, and it certainly did tonight. Yeah, hopefully it will because he is kind of the guy that I think raises the ceiling of that team listen when we come back i have two acc guys on this call with me and there was some major acc coaching news that dropped today mike bray is retiring these two are going to tell you who notre dame has to hire nice minute and a half all right guys lloyd wants to know what kind of seed do you think gonzaga will end up getting Oh, well, look, if you really want to know that, if you really want the answer, Lloyd, make sure you check us out on Monday, Fielding the 68, our Bracketology show. It drops again. 
Monday. Uh, Trevor, do you know what time it is? I don't. I don't have the exact time. Nope. In front of me. You're yeah. my. You're my producer boss. Dave, actually, producer Dagan's got to figure that out, man. Come on, Dagan. You're, you're actually his boss. He, he, yeah. He at, at some point, at some point on Monday, we're going to have our fielding the 68 show, the first <laughs> episode of the season, Mondays and Fridays. I'm going to say that Gonzaga gets a four seat this year. I was going to say four thirteen. They'll probably get a four. Four. And I'm yep. going to predict them to lose to whoever that 13 seed is. Oh wow! Hopefully, we'll take. yeah. No, I'm there. I'm I'm going. I'm no. going fully bold. By the way, by the way, our guy Laval Jordan right now is on the halftime show for UCLA in Arizona State. You're right, Tio. That suit is something dude. Nice. That suit is impeccable. Yes, that suit is impeccable. I'm trying to catch up. Our man Laval. Five p.m. Uh, Eastern, got, guys. Five p.m. Eastern for the bracket. Five p.m. Eastern. All right, Trevor. We got any other questions coming from the thirty chat? seconds? How good can Arizona State be? They are up five at halftime right now over UCLA. They got some guys. <laughs> they got some dudes. Frankie Collins has been really good. Dude, what's we up with about, all the coaches this year? The all the coaches this year that were going in on the hot seat are just lighting the world on fire. Hurley. Ten seconds. Brown Owl. Kono's the fun police. I gotta stop talking. <laughs> contract Here we go. Contract Five seconds. <laughs> Three, two. Welcome back. Field of 68 after dark. Rob Doster, Randolph Childress, Terrence Oglesby. We're live with you guys for about another eight minutes before the end of the Thursday night show, which means you got to get to the YouTube chat. You got to get to the afters. We're going to be hanging out for another 20 minutes after we are off serious, answering your questions, interacting, and trying to keep producer Dagan under control in the chat. I teased it before we left. I want to know what you guys think. One, about Mike Bray making the decision to retire. Let's start with that. Why? Where do you stand on this, RC? Mike Bray saying this is going to be his last season at Notre Dame. You know what? I had the last game, um, the Florida State game, and he was uncharacteristically – I mean, he was obviously upset, but he was a little more upset than than usual after this game. The the way the team is constructed, this is it. I mean, some of those guys are as old as – they're as old as I am, it looks like. They've been there forever, and that, that regime is over. J.J. Starling's probably going to leave. They're one and six in conference play, one and seven, whatever they are, right? They're at the bottom of the league, I mean, above Louisville, but they're going nowhere uh, with a veteran team. And there was a stretch in the game. The game started out 13-0, 32-8. I mean, this is Florida State now we're talking about. We're not talking about it's, you know, Clemson or whatever. And Florida State's gotten better. Don't get me wrong, but 32-8. to eight. They, They're scoring at will. They go zone. And then they closed the half on a 21-7 run. So it's only a 10-point game. And when they come out the second half, the first TV timeout, they go down 15. They were only down 10 and a half. They go down 15, and he lit into them. And he's challenging these guys. And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to come out and go back to the zone that they that was effective for him. And he was like, hell no. Y'all just get your chest from somebody and freaking guard. And Florida State ran away with it. And they made some threes late. They tried some stuff, but – it looked like he just said the hell, not the hell with the season or whatever, but you guys, I'm not going to save your asses by going zone. You freaking guard man to man. And they have, they can't do it. That's not how they, they built. So I, I think it's more of the season. I think he knows the season's over with those guys and he likes the group of kids. He's had them for a long time, but it's over because he's going to have to start from scratch. I think JJ is going to put his name in the, in the draft and he's losing Cormac Ryan. Goodwin Dane, I mean, uh, Goodwin, he's Dane Goodwin, uh, uh, J- uh, Nate Leshesky. 
I mean, he's losing Trey Wentz. Where it's, he's losing all of his guys, and that's a complete rebuild. Does he want to start over in, in year 24, literally with the portal, which, Tio, I'll say this to you. When when is pregame meal? When do you when does teams eat? How many hours before the game does the people eat pregame meal? Four, four, ish. four hours, right? Yeah, the game was at yeah. seven o'clock. They didn't have shoot around until three thirty, until everybody had came. It was four thirty before they were eating. I had never seen anything like that in my life because the kids can't miss class. Hmm. So if that doesn't change, then I, I, you know, good luck. Good luck. They'll lose candidates if they can't get dudes in it through transfer portal because it's not a school that's big. They can get them in grad school, but it's not right now the way their administration is set up. They can just get a bunch of dudes coming in there. It's not a it's not a transfer portal fix. Tio, give me no, some I'm, names. Uh, I think Porter Moser makes sense. He was at Loyola Chicago right down the road. He wants to be close to the Cubs. He's had success. We know he's a coach. He likes to groom those guys. And like RC said, you can't just bring guys out. Uh, It's not a quick fix situation in Notre Dame. Another guy that I think is probably going to get some serious consideration. I brought this name up earlier, shot down pretty quick, but Martin Inglesby at Delaware uh, was under Bray for a long time. He's a Notre Dame guy. Uh, he's had some success. He does some things very similar off schematically to Mike Bray, but he's younger. Uh, he's been able to find some untapped talent in Jameer Nelson Jr. and Jair Davis. He's been able to find some names there. But I think if I, if it were me, I would take a swing at Porter Moser. Uh, I would take a swing at, um, oh gosh, the guy that's down with assistant coach Miami Heat right now uh, played there. Help me out. Chris Quinn. I would take a swing there, and then Martin Inglesby would be in consideration. Uh, un- under the radar name, Pat Kelsey's a Midwestern guy. Uh, worked at Xavier, worked at Wake. Those are similar institutions. He might be a guy to consider. I got one for you, too. Hmm. Micah Shrewsbury. I like that one, too. He's assistant at Purdue. He knows the Midwest. He's at Penn State right now. Penn State looks good. I think you probably have to get them to the tournament to be in the mix for some of those openings. But Michael Shrewsbury from the Brad Stevens coaching tree, NBA mindset, you see what he's running. I think he'll be in – if Georgetown opens, I think he's going to be in the mix there. Uh, Notre Dame, I think he's going to end up being in the mix there. All right, I have two minutes. Can I make my point on UConn? Can you please, guys please. give me the floor? Here's my please. point. Here's what I think. ISO, about. ISO, roll, please. It's, 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 ISO. It's actually, it's actually pr- pretty simple. Lemon booty. That's what happens. They get lemon booty as soon as somebody starts making a run. It starts puckering. They start getting tight. They can't handle the pressure of the moment. Dude, what the hell is yes. lemon booty? Lemon you know booty, exactly dude. What, what are we talking about? Is. Lemon booty, you know exactly. pucker booty. <laughs> yes. That's greasy needle you know, territory. You know, is that what we're you doing? You know exactly oh, what it man, is. Don't do that's that's the that's that's what happens. Don't do right? that. The substitute that's teacher was coaching. To me, the substitute no, teacher was coaching. It's it's don't do it's, that. It's it to me right now. It's in their head. They are playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. They are. They get this lead. They play great. They're fired up. They got their chests out. As soon as something goes bad. They're like, oh, no, it's happening again. Oh, no, it's happening again. Oh, I hope this doesn't happen. Oh, I hope I don't miss this layup. Ah, shit, I missed this layup. Oh, I hope I don't turn this ball over. Ah, shit, I turned it over. Oh, I hope I don't step out of bounds when I'm coming off a screen. Ah, shit, I stepped out of – like, I think that's all it is. I think they just need to find a little bit of confidence again, right? I need to know I need to know when the last time uh, producer Kono has heard the word lemon booty on – Never. On a it's never been on serious <laughs> it, it, before. It, it, no, it'll be I'm, my I'm first serious. too, Kono. I'm serious. I think it's it, we, we talk about it with like remember when Chuck Knobloch 
was playing second base and he was a gold glover and all of a sudden he couldn't throw the ball to the first baseman. He just threw it into the crowd every time he tried he to. the yips. Right? The yips. Like, it's all – I think it's in their head. How about this? Hey, hey they, let me say this. I'd rather go through a rut in the season in mid to end January and start playing better in February and March. I agree. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I, like it's not like UConn all of a sudden just lost their pieces. Like, I would rather go through the rut right now than go through the rut at the end of February where you're heading yeah. into conference play or a conference they, they tournament are, time. Dude, I would rather have it right now. They haven't they're, played they're, themselves out of the tournament. I think sometimes you no. can do that where teams can They're play like a four seed out. right now. They, they, hadn't, they hadn't done that. They're still going to get themselves in it. Yeah, they, they're like a four seed right now. And, like, the, the biggest thing is they're, they're not a perfect team. Like, that, they, you got point guard issues, right? Right now, you got defensive issues. That's their you issue. Got the little guard bit play of the con- stinks. The yeah, guard play little, is just not strong. Yeah, you got a little bit of a conundrum with like, okay, Adama Sanogo is not playing great, but he's our guy. Donovan Klingon might be better, but you can't throw the ball to him in the post, and we don't have a point guard that can create easy stuff for him all the time. So you have there, there are some things that are not perfect about the way that it's built, but they got enough guys that they can find a way to get it done in the biggest moments. And to me, that's 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 what it is. How about this stat before we get out of here? They went 14-0 to start the season. There have only been two other teams that have gone 15-5 and in their first 20 games after starting the season 14 and 0 on the year. But listen, this has been the field of 68 after dark. If you are listening to this on serious, make sure you come over to the YouTube chat. Make sure you jump in the afters. We're going to be live for about another 20 minutes, hanging out, talking, chatting with you guys. So for Randolph Childress, for Terrence Oglesby, for producer Kono, for producer Trevor, my name is Rob Dosser. We appreciate you guys hanging out field of 68 after dark. Perfect. We're clear. All right. Kono. Last time you've heard the word lemon booty. <laughs> I've never heard them um, together. I'll say lemon and booty together. <laughs> there you go. I like that answer. I it's not lemon dash booty. It's a one word situation we got going. You know, <laughs> you know who I stole that word from? You know who I stole that word from? Bomani Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones. Whenever someone chokes, he talks about they got that lemon booty and he does that as a hashtag. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny. So I was like, I have to uh I have to steal it now. Um, all right. We got a new intro for the afters. Trevor, take it away. All right. (laughs) You didn't I mean you can't see it, but I think it yeah, looks you pretty- guys can't see it. It's a pretty sweet intro. I love it. We got to get that thing going, man. <laughs> yeah, we got to shout out Trevor's work when we can. All right. Hey, that Trevor, was Dagan's work. That us, wasn't my work. Hit us with some questions, sir. All right. Greg in the chat says, given that they will be in the Big 12 next season, what what do you think Houston's record would be if they were in the Big 12 right now this season? Ooh, I like that question. Ooh, I'm not going to answer cool. it right now because I got to look at everybody on the, in the Big 12, but. So uh, if they played a full season, so a full round robin, let's just say out of 20 games, right? Let's say they added them, they got to play 20 games. Home and away against everybody. Let's just go through it. I'm going to go ahead and say they split with Kansas, right? You think they win a fog? Fog? No. Nobody no, wins. No. Split at Kansas. No, so Kansas sweep. Kansas sweeps them. That's two losses. Oh, no. They, they, uh, they, they get Kansas at home. So split with Kansas. Split with uh, K-State split with- this year. Split with K State this year. Split with Iowa State. Yeah, Hilton. Yeah, Carlson, Hilton and Texas. Texas. And I don't know about Texas this year. Stop Not with. Uh, Stop it. All right, go ahead. That's their so, second loss. They only lost two games. All right, so we'll give them give them five losses and say they pick up one more loss somewhere else. I bet Baylor beats them at home and wake up. 
So five losses, fifteen and five. Yeah. They played a full round robin Big Twelve schedule. Yeah, but then they got to right. go. Then they got to go play in Morgantown, who's just as tough as them. Might get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have a couch on fire. But they're better offensively, so I'd give them that one. I think they they just beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. Dude, Texas yep. Tech fell off. Oof. Good God. I, hey, as complimentary as I was hey. at Texas Tech last year, boy, love hey, it. I got, T.O., I, I got some stories for you that I discovered when I was on the road in Big 12 country. That hey, were, you can tell them right are, now. It's all good. That We're are for, for, no, that are for after the afters. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell them right now if you want to. If we get if we get three hundred <laughs> likes on this uh, on the show, then I'll, I'll I'll say what I have to say right now. Wow, afters afters. Uh. <laughs> I get three hundred likes. He's going to put man's business out. Um, Andrew wants uh, to know more of a big picture question here. Is there a concern when the best coach in school history retires and then the school starts going downhill? And he cites. Villanova, Notre Dame, Syracuse, etc. There's obviously concern, but you have to have somebody with some juice and some energy. My biggest question is when you take over a story program like some of the ones you just, you better get the right guy. And like, are you going to stay within the family? Or are you going to stay out of the family? That's the biggest question for me when it comes to Notre Dame. Like, are they going to venture out and do something different? I think, I think you have to, you have to look around. Right. Yeah, I think so. I, I, like, think I don't. You, I think the. I don't think the have, Notre Dame family is is strong enough to. If you want to say the Duke I, I, family, I think okay. I think athletically, guys, they got to make a decision from the top, from the athletic director. I mean, got. I mean, administration down, because football wise, it's you know they're not big on you know your coach like it says like, you know they think they're this amazing brand and it is it's Notre Dame right it is a great brand but your football coach was drives to school the athletic department left and went to LSU like that resonates whether they think so or not and then now your longtime coach just leaves and what I just saw from like I said knowing because I said this the the wake president before came from Notre Dame so now getting trans I know how difficult it is to get transfers and try to and, and in today's times with the portal there's not a quick fix that way there. So I, I, I wonder, is somebody going to say, hey, some booster, some donors are going to come in there and say, hey, administration, we got to change things. Because if not, they're losing with football guys with NIL money. Those kids are not coming in. They're leaving. And then basketball-wise, I think someone told me when I was there, there's a volleyball coach or somebody. There's one other sport, women's sport, got like the only transfer or something like I mean, something crazy stat about get, getting transferred. They can get grad students. They can't get transfers in there easily. It's just not a that's that makes it impossible for it to be a quick fix right now. Yeah, no transfers, no NIL. Like that's just you're, how how do you survive in college basketball in 2023 if you can't get transfers and you don't have because that, that level they're competing on football wise. It's it's the big boys and uh, you paying that mm -hmm. kind of money to sustain that and stay there. And if not, they're gonna have to have some type of from the administration on figuring some things out. Yep. Dagan, what else we got? I mean, Trevor, what else we got? My name is not Dagan. Uh, Boiler Diehard <laughs> asks, is Chris Holtman on the hot seat if Ohio State does not turn it around this Hell season? no. Wow, no. Come on. Hell no. Holtman on the hot seat? No. Okay. Tio wants to put him on the hot seat. Tio's, Tio's trying to fire him. He's had 20 wins every season except for this one. The biggest time yeah. at Ohio State. It's not like you guys care all that much. At Ohio State. That's like, why he, he wanted the Ohio State job. That is part of the appeal for him. 
is because you could take some bad losses and no one's really going to notice all that much. No one's really going to care all that much. Did like he tell you that? That's part of the appeal of it. Really? It's part of the appeal of it. It's, it's like when you are at Kentucky, right? Kentucky and Ohio State have had kind of similar starts to the season. Both of them had a level of expectation. Neither of them succeeded. People are coming to games in Kentucky with signs that say, please go to Texas, right? Whereas Holtman is, you know, you have a couple of people frustrated that he hasn't won a game in the tournament. But that's that's like, that's it. You know, you got Mark Titus making jokes on Twitter. That's about, like, that's that's the pressure. <laughs> it's a different level. That's why, that's what makes an Ohio State, that's what makes And you're still Texas. getting dudes. You're still, getting, you're still dudes. getting dudes. That's what makes that like, that kind of program. Uh, think so about attractive. Holman, man. Like, like, think about this. Like, since he took over as a head coach in 2013, 2012, 2013 at Gardner-Webb, He's never had less than 20 wins. Yeah. And you know Since what he's else? he's been a head coach. Now, he left Gardner-Webb to be an assistant at Butler and then got that one in 14-15. Never had less than 20 wins. <laughs> Dude's not on the hot seat. You know how many co- – and, and even year. if he was. Even if he was. You know how many programs would love to have a 20-winner every single season that he's somewhere? Come on, guys. What are we doing? And, and here's, here's another thing that he's running into. And, like, I don't know if people are going to feel bad at him for this, but, like, no one thought Malachi Brown – was Brandon was going to end up being a one and done guy, right? No one really did anyone think that EJ Liddell was going to be going pro after three years. Like he's had, he's lost some guys earlier than expected. Imagine what this Ohio State everybody's right everybody's now. losing guys. Though. You can't really use that. Yeah, but I I I, I know every, everyone loses guys, but it's something that you have to factor. In. Imagine what this Ohio State team would be right now if you had Malachi Brandon sophomore year Malachi Brandon, right? Who thought Malachi Brandon was going to be a one and done? No one did. So when you plan out who you're going to recruit and who you're bringing in, and all of a sudden the guy that you thought was going to be your all Big Ten guy as a sophomore and as a junior is gone, you know, it, it, it kind of changes the calculus a little bit. And he's still got them. To, they're going to be a tournament team. They're going to be fine. They're not going to be in the Big Ten forever. No, they're 10 and 8. No, I don't know t- that they'll be a right tournament now. team. I can't not right say now. That. No, if, I'm not saying they are right now. So you're telling me, just look at the way their season ends. They're going to have a chance to, they get. Iowa at home, at Illinois, at Indiana, Wisconsin at home, at Michigan, Northwestern at home, Michigan State at home, at Iowa, at Purdue, Penn State at home, Illinois at home, Maryland at home, at Michigan State. To be able to get to the tournament, you probably have to win, what, seven of those games, six or seven of those games? I think they struggle to score too much to get in. I, I, I don't see it. Hey, you know, you know, you you know, the energy that I really enjoyed was Mike DeCourcy's latest uh, bracket, his last, his first four out. Did you see his first four out? (laughs) First four out, Ohio State, Kentucky, Indiana, Creighton. (laughs) First four out. And we all know if Kentucky's even remotely close, they're getting in because they travel better than anybody. But like all all three of them are getting in. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're getting in. But but that was. I, I was like, I like that energy. Selection Sunday was last Sunday. Like, they'd be out someday. NCAA wouldn't be happy. All right, here's an interesting one. What is the most? Who re- is that? All right. What is the most realistic Final Four you could come up with right now without including any top five teams in it? Ooh. Top five top according five. to the AP. Yep. They're recording. Or Ken, I mean, or Ken Palm. Do what you want. Who's the – do we have the, the AP top five handy? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, if I were a good producer, I I'd have it. Hang on. Houston, Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, and UCLA. So you can't pick any of those five teams in your final four? 
I like that. This is a fun question. Mm. I'm going to go but, with, all right, I'm going to take, this might be controversial here on this show, but I'm going to throw Marquette out there. I think Marquette is the, it might be the highest ceiling team mm-hmm. um, outside of the top five. I'm going to throw I'm going to throw Kansas State in there. Give me Kansas State. Give me all the Kansas State. Love Kansas State. Uh, how about give me Virginia? Virginia, come on. I don't think they got. The, I don't think they got enough dudes. See, I, I disagree there. I think Armand Franklin's been pretty good this year. I think Reese Beekman is a dude, like an absolute dude. So I, you know I, who I, like who I take? Enough. I take Miami. If I had to take, if I was thinking of a school from the ACC, I take Miami. Um, I like the Kansas State. I like Baylor too. They just got they got three really good guards. Hey, my man Keontae George is coming on yeah. now. They get healthy. He's coming on like. He's had a couple of those games where it's like, hey, man, you remember when he went for 27 against West Virginia? Like, it, like going for 30 piece here, there, and everywhere. Like, that dude's so good. Hey, you know who was – I didn't like him coming in because we questioned their ability to shoot. But when I watched him play, they just play different, and they play so freaking fast. It's TCU. Mm, yeah. I like that. I can't trust the team. I, you want to hear a stat? I got a, I got a little factoid for you, RC. Uh, no team has made the tournament without being like 16 seed Texas uh, Texas Southern as an at large bid, shooting under 30 percent from three since Marquette in 2013. TCU It'll happen this year. TCU's making a dance yeah. now. TCU gonna make. I a just dance. I, I'm. I, they're, they're press Virginia. They are West Virginia from like 2017 to 2020. That's who they are. Dude, Mike you know, Miles I, got a rocket in his ass, son. He gone. Like, that's the fastest that's dude I've saying. seen. Like, he is gone. He gets a turnover, dude. He's the fastest human being on the planet. That's Usain Bolt with a basketball. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's like turbo mode. It's crazy how fast that dude is. Well, I'll tell you what. That's That's one way to kind of nullify issues that you have. With spacing in the half court is just never playing the half court. Teams are terrified yeah. of them because they're not going to the offensive glass. You're so terrified, like man, we can't give up 30 points in transition. Just get back. So you're not going to the glass, and you're not even worried about matchups. You're just like, get your ass back. Hey, I got one more. You know, you Xavier. Xavier could do it. Xavier could get yeah. to the Final Four. Like if we're not counting those first five, like Xavier has enough offensive firepower and size to, to where they could give they could get the right matchups and go. I got one more for you guys, and I'm curious your take on this because I think they're sneaky. I think they're dangerous, and they have two really, really damn good guards. And maybe my favorite big guy to watch in the country because he's just so uh, so plump. NC State. I'd take Clemson over them. I would too. Oh, come, RC, come on. I'm serious. Now, I love their guard play. I love their guard play. But I worry about them – you know, center spot at times, and they're playing great. They're they're playing as well as any team in the league. Their guard play, I love. I think you know, Casey Marcel. How could you worry about NC State's center play when they got DJ Burns, the walking fridge? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because he's, you he's have to change. Big, they have to change big. their style of play when they play with him. When I, he plays, I will not allow any DJ Burns slander. That's not slander. So let me ask you this: Who are you taking? Are you taking him over PJ Hall? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> Are you taking Jack Clark over Hunter Tyson? No. Um, I mean, Jack Clark should be so much better than he is. I want. I want. Now Jack I do love Clark the guard play over state. Is. Now yeah. the guard play of state is as good as anybody. With Casey Morsell shooting, shooting the piss out of it the way he's shooting it. My gosh. Hey, were you if guys? Clemson on the gets show, in the tournament, like they they have enough. Like, and they got to be healthy. Yeah, Chase. Yeah, Chase. They're not making a Final Four. They're not making Final Four, but they have enough to make some noise. Like they can win a game too. Hey, by the way, Arizona State is up by six on UCLA right now. So maybe after this game, we can throw UCLA in the mix because they won't be top five anymore. Um, did, were you guys on the show when we asked uh, Turquavian Smith why his nickname is Baby T? <laughs> no. He said. No. What is he said? Um, because my name is long, it starts with T, and I was a baby once. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's so good. That's like, so good. It's like one That's of those, so duh, good. you dumbass. Why you ask me that? That's, <laughs> That's so <laughs> good. <laughs> and he, he, he deadpanned it with his big smile on his face, and I was like, all right, I got you. And I was a baby I once. That is so good. What a great – and I was a – and once upon a time, I was actually a baby. <laughs> No, uh, right, Trevor, what else you got for all us? All right. Hey, we, we didn't mention North Carolina. We're just completely off that bandwagon right now, RC. I, I, I don't see it right now. I mean, I'm not going to say Final Four. I mean, we both know they got talent to do it, but I, I need to see them string it together. A lot of people in the chat said North Carolina when I asked that question. You know what's crazy is like UCLA vibes big time, and they just don't click. Like they're just – they just don't seem happy to be there. And, and I know that sounds very – like sophomoric to be like, ah, oh, they're not very happy to be there. Guys, if there's a certain energy you play with and your guys are really engaged, you look happy to be there. And I, there's better ways to put that fully engaged. Everybody's focused in yada, yada, yada. If they're happy to be there and they're ready to compete and play hard, North Carolina is really good. We see it like every fourth or fifth game. And then they just sneak by and they still win a couple. Like, it is what it is. Like they they don't do a whole lot of energy giving stuff, and they just they don't feature by Baycott enough. Like why? Hey, RC, why don't they throw it to him every time down the floor? Why? When you find out, I, I don't know. I, everybody I know feel. I think they're starting to do that. Um, you know, they lost Caleb Love looks absolutely thrilled that that's happening. Just fired up. <laughs> he loves. But, but I will say this: you know who's everything. starting to play well of those guys? R.J. Davis has been. He Go is. back and watch his stats. R.J. Davis has figured it out. Uh, Love, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, he just looks indecisive. He's not the same player he was a year ago. I don't know what that is. Uh, who R.J. is waiting for? Love, he, Love. R.J. Davis. He, he's has, waiting has, for has, March. <laughs> that's maybe that's what it is. He's waiting. Caleb saving. He's saving for saving he, he's for March. That's what load management while playing. <laughs> Okay, last one, guys. Will St. John's make the tournament? You know what? I like their style. I think they got a shot. I think their style of, of play is is a problem. I no, I don't. I, I'm not. But I don't. I'm not sold. I can't say that. I can't say I'm sold on it happening now. I like their style of play, but the problem you're going to run into with them is is the fact that the big east isn't going to get as many teams in this year as they did last year you're probably looking at what five four you're, you're going to get to say four who's four getting in outside of marquette providence xavier uh, xavier and xavier and uh yukon who's getting in outside of those four I that's think right so who you say creighton. Rob? creighton will be number five creighton will be team five 
Mm. Crane's eleven and eight now. Yeah, no, Crane, they got a Crane, lot. They got a lot eight. of making up to do. Yeah, they do. They're they're going to make up some ground, but I think that they're going to end up at the end of the day. They're going to have a strong enough resume to look at because I I'm I'm buying them as being good enough. Like they're not a thirteen and eighteen. No, and no, but we, but, but we can't. But we got to go off the resume. What they're going to be? They're eleven know, and eight now. You, so you telling me they're going to go on a winning streak? Yeah, I think they will. I think that they're going to pick off these teams. Like, when they get Xavier at home, I think they beat Xavier at home. When they get UConn at home, I think they beat UConn at home. When they get Marquette at home, I think they, they beat Marquette at home. That build, They're going to have 17,000 people in that building playing desperate on a team that matches up talent for talent. And oh, their three right. worst losses this year came without Ryan Kalkbrenner. So but I, the tournament I that, ain't going to care about that because, I mean, yeah, that's the problem gonna, that you run into. Yeah, that's like, like that. Like context but is not going to be a part of that issue because those the, the the numbers is the numbers. Yeah, is the pencil necks are just looking no, at numbers. But they're not looking at context. Will, they will. They're they are going to look at the fact that that will be no. on all of those team sheets. Yeah, it will. No. I've sat. I've sat in those. I've. I did a mock draft like that. That will be written on there. Ryan Calprinter did not play. It's it's humans in that building to make that decision. And they're but still they're going to do that for that. for for two hundred teams. So or so, so they're going to you're like, telling me they're going to do that even for the win. So they're going to say, oh, this team won. They won this game, and so and so didn't play. And it, it, I'm it, telling you, I'm telling you, it's going to factor in. They have a quad three loss and a quad two loss, and what's going to happen is everyone's going to know that it didn't have Ryan Kalkbrenner because the they're the all it's going to be the social push. It's going to be something in the mind of all of those people in that room. It's not it's like if they wanted to do it the right way and just had to be like a computer profile to set everything up, then that's what it would be. But it's not just by the numbers. It's 10 human beings in that room making a decision. And that's going to be in their heads that Ryan Kalkbrenner wasn't there. I'm, I'm just telling you. And I think that they're going to get enough wins at the end of the day to get it done because they got the talent. Bet Rivers, 80 to 1. Creighton win the title. <laughs> they're not winning the title. I'm, I'm just talking about like, hey, but before the legs. season, we were talking about Creighton <laughs> winning the title. Yeah, I'm talking about them being. I know. I'm just saying for value, they were they were top five preseason, and now they're with Penn State, Rutgers. I mean, that's that's the range they're in in terms of odds. Wow, look at you slander. Look at you slandering Rutgers on here. This is a Rutgers podcast, okay? I wore my I wore my scarlet scarlet sweatshirt just for the Rutgers. I mean, To even answered Rutgers Rutgers for a question that had nothing to do with Rutgers. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, I like to put the curve on it. Little curveball. Curveball. <laughs> all right, what do we have? Anything else? You want more? All right, all right. right here, yeah, I got, I got a question more. for you. I got a question for you. What? Who is the best college basketball team in the state of New Jersey? Rutgers. RC. I'm gonna have to say Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers. Is there even other like a second team that you would even consider in that conversation? Because I don't really think there is for me. It ain't Monmouth. Yeah, definitely in Mamba. I don't even I, like. I don't even think there's a second team that you would consider in that conversation. Seton Hall, Seton Hall beat them. Somebody called. Somebody called Dagan. Somebody called Dagan. Seton Hall beat somebody. Seton Hall beat Rutgers. Dagan, Dagan did text me. Seton Hall has beaten the second best team in the Big Ten and UConn. And UConn. <laughs> He's the the UT He's riding high. The YouTube chat right now is saying everyone's saying NJIT is better than uh, better than Seton Hall. <laughs> and Dagan they're driving him out of the chat. He's gone. We're never going to see him again. <laughs> oh man! All right, Trevor. Anything else good? Any other good questions in there? Uh, let's see. What happens first? Patrick Ewing gets fired or wins a game? <laughs> mean. 
He's got to win one, right? It's, it's got to happen one day. Right? I thought his chance was against Villanova. Let's yeah, predict it. I thought I it was to Paul. They I get to the Paul at home. No, I watched that thing. They, they, they get they get to Paul at home. They get to Paul at home, right? Yeah, they're gonna yep. beat that. They're gonna win that game. Oh, the Paul at home, they're gonna win. So the, Xavier just lost at DePaul on Wednesday, right? And now yep. they're gonna come home and they get Georgetown next at home. They're gonna beat Georgetown by a million. No, no. They're gonna have a <laughs> they're gonna have a mental letdown. Patrick Ewan and, and the Hoyas are gonna pull one out, man. They're gonna be it's gonna be a punch. Can you imagine who's gonna be the team to lose that? You don't even want to be the team to lose. You're gonna be <laughs> like a, a punchline. They call it you ever heard of Russian roulette? They call it uh, Georgetown roulette. <laughs> and all six bullets are loaded. Hey, I'm you telling you this. I'm going to toast to him when it happens. We're going to toast to Pat. Yeah, we are. I thought I thought the Villanova game was the one they were going to get. I really did. Oh, I, I thought they were they were so close. <laughs> but if you look – all right, so just according to Kim Palm, I just think that's funny whenever you see a bunch of conference games in a row and their odds of winning are all in single digits. <laughs> so – Xavier's next for Georgetown. They have a 3% chance of winning that game. DePaul gives them a 41% chance to win that game at home. See? There you go. St. John's, 7%. Uh, Creighton, they have a 10% chance to win at home. Uh, Connecticut or UConn, 6%. Providence, 5%. Marquette, 9%. Seton Hall, 7%. So it was DePaul. Tough. DePaul, it is. DePaul's their close. The DePaul's their likeliest odds. That's a that's a lot of math for you, T.O. Yeah, I just I, I wasn't really doing much math. I was just reading them off. Yeah. All right, should we do toast tonight and get out of here? Let's do it. All right, RC, we're going to you first. I'm gonna go to Mike Bray, man. 23 years, hanging it up. I think he's a hell of a coach. He's damn sure a great guy. Great guy, Mike Bray. T.O. I don't feel like I was prepared for this. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis showed us that he is an ISO scorer, and you can't guard that man one-on-one. How dare you even consider such a defensive thing to guard me one-on-one? Thanks. I'm just going to put 35 Thanks. on your head. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for He's good. Too. Huh? I said a pretty 35, too. Silky smooth. That little spin baseline, absolute slam on everybody and their mother and – Champaign, Illinois, like he, he was good. Cheers to him. Cheers to Indiana getting back on the right track. And somebody, somebody make sure if uh, Underwood, like I said, he needed Dramamine for Christmas because it's the, the roller coaster of emotions that is his team. So he doesn't get, you know, motion sickness. But like, golly, like they're just consistently inconsistent. So you stole mine because I have the who's your daddy shirt on. So I was going to try to sell some who's your daddy shirts at the field of 68 dot shop, our merch store. I um, didn't know that's where the plug was at. I was good. I would have plugged it. I'm going to go with Cam <laughs> Shelton. Do you guys know who Cam Shelton is? T.O., do you know who Cam Shelton Loyola is? Loyola Marymount. Yeah, he, leading scorer tonight for Loyola Marymount. Think you're slick, don't you? He had, he had 27 tonight as Loyola Marymount went in to the kennel and knocked off Gonzaga, the first team to do that in almost five years to the day. What's today? The 19th? It's yeah, yeah. almost five years today. Five years and one day since Gonzaga lost last lost in that building. Cam Shelton, 27 points. He was the best guard on the floor with a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans. So Cam, cheers to you. Cheers to Randolph Childress. 
Cheers to Terrence Oglesby. Cheers to me. I'm going to finally go get some sleep. Producer Trevor, great job. Producer Dagan, I'm so over you. I hate Seton Hall. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. <laughs>